We continue on with a series of lessons determined by you, uh, and that comes from your questions. Uh, so if you still have questions that you want to submit and put in for consideration, uh, this Sunday the box is still out there. I haven't talked about when we're going to remove that box, but it's still there today. If you have questions, put them in. We, um, we get those questions, and uh, it, it, it puts me on the spot to come up with an answer and sometimes in in a relationship to that it's it's fun and i hope that this uh, lesson today uh, shows that fun nature the joy of just seeking god's word and and exploring it and seeing what god's what god's word says to us today about the questions that we we think about um, because I don't necessarily address everything that, that you might be thinking about at any particular time, but I'm challenged with the question today. And so today's sermon is entitled, Why Let Demons Live? The question uh, was, was posed to us at this, in this way. If Jesus has control of all things, then why does he let demons live? Wouldn't it be best to get rid of the enemies? And so that is what we are seeking to answer today. And so for the most part, this lesson, as we start here, explores just the idea of demons. Uh, and as we think about demons, that probably the, the, what is posed to you today will probably just stir up more questions. And uh, that's why maybe I, I should get the, the box out of there as quickly as possible, because I'm not going to have all the answers there's going to come this, this particular place where, well, this is just how it is. This is what God does and um, how he lets things happen. I don't have all the answers. But here are some things that I'm going to pose from Scripture. And I think as we, we pose just a, a logical sequence of items pertaining to demons, where they come from, who they are, in a relationship to, to Jesus then, and what we learn other things in the Bible, I think we eventually are going to get to our answer today. So let's just start, number one, because this, this, the question started with the thought of if Jesus is in control of all things, and, and I think that the questioner is assuming that that's true. So Jesus is in control of all things, and since that's true, then why are there still demons? Why doesn't he just get rid of them? And so first of all, I do want to say that Jesus is in control of all things. Trust that to be true and know that to be true. And so if we start there, we, we're just going to go to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 20, through 22, talking about Jesus. We're going to see some things here that we learn about Jesus being in control. And it says there in the, at the end of a sentence, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. So this is God raising Jesus by his power, raising Jesus, putting him at his right hand. In the heavenlies, or in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body. Um, so Jesus clearly at the right hand, the powerful position, he's at the place of authority, the right hand of God. He is far above 
all rule and authority. He, this, the demons are subject to him. So Jesus truly is in control. He is in control, period. And so, and that's why then the question comes, well, if he's in control, and here's the, you know, and the question almost could be posed, and we're kind of even submitting the answer in relationship to this. The question could be also posed is, well, if God's in control, why does he let bad happen? Why does he let evil exist? And in this particular way, it's a little more pointed to the idea of demons themselves. Why? Let demons live. Why do demons even exist? And so all of that's kind of circling because Jesus is control, so therefore why? Well, why? So let's move on to point number two. Point number two on your outline, it's in the proclaimer. I haven't said that yet, but I would encourage you to follow along with it since I only I put the, the scriptures up here. I wanted to try and keep my... I do that whenever I try and keep myself moving quickly. So explore all these scriptures later. Look before them and after them. Make sure uh, you search the scriptures. Make sure that what's being said is true, please. So number two, God created angels, but some of them rebelled. Okay, so God created angels. Where do, where do uh, demons come from? That's what we're getting here. Where do the demons even come from? Well, God created them as angels, but some rebelled. Some fell. So Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says, Worthy are you, O Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And because of you, because of your will, they existed and were created. God is the great I am. Everything else comes from him. So, a little bit of uh, not, not explicit in this verse, but I think it can be argued and shown that God created angels. Angels are created beings. God made them. But some of them rebelled. And we see a couple of verses that reference this fact. Second Peter chapter uh, 2, verse number 4 says, For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned. So there were some good creations, angels that God made. They sinned, but God, if where God didn't, but God didn't spare them. But when they see the angels sin, cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment. Now this verse brings up more questions for me, maybe for you. So you, if you have more questions as we go through this, that's fine. I do too. But try and stay on point right now. Jude six. One chapter in Jude, verse number 6, it says, And angels who did not keep their own domain, they didn't stick to their place that God had put them, right? They did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode. He has kept in eternal bonds until under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So again, there were angels that turned against God. So, Angels were created beings, created by God, but some of them rebelled. So, and now we're going to kind of jump to the next thought. Well, those angels who rebelled, they are called, uh, they are the devils and devil and his angels, unclean spirits and demons. So uh, point number three, the following angels are the devil and his angels. Um, Matthew 25 verse 41 says, 
Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones. Speaking of um, man who has not accepted Christ, man who is in rebellion. So depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. So the sheep being separated from the goats there. And we see that the goats are going to be cast into the lake of fire. Eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Well, we'll get more to that later. But the point we see here, the devil and his angels. I think you read all the way through scripture, you're going to see this idea that the, the angels were created. Some of them are rebelled. And that is the devil and his angels. All right. And also, they're called unclean spirits or demons. Jesus used this language. While he was still approaching, uh, the demon slammed him to the ground and threw him into a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. So in this, there is a healing that is about to take place by Jesus, and it is attributed to a demon. He was demon-possessed, and Jesus rebukes the unclean spirit. So two names for a demon. It is, well, these are the angels that have fallen. It's called a demon or an unclean spirit. Some of the, the NIV in the 84 translation actually had an evil spirit. And it was interesting, one of those spots where they made a good, good change at the newer translation called it an unclean spirit or an impure spirit. And it's just a simple thought. God is pure. God is clean. Anything that is not of God, anything that has been tainted by sin, unclean or um, impure. So Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, cast it out. And we already see there, too, in that when Jesus comes, he makes clear, I have authority over the, over the demons. They listen to me. So he rebuked it, cast it out, healed the boy. All right, moving on to uh, point number four. God exi- or Jesus, excuse me, exhibited control of demons. Now here, this is, this is where it gets interesting. God, you know, Jesus had control. We already saw it in Luke 9, 42. And actually these chapters um, in Luke, Luke 8, Luke 9, and even into chapter 10, there's a lot of uh, of information there about these evil spirits and about what Jesus does. And we reference some of these here. So let's keep moving. Jesus exhibited control of demons. This is the passage that was read at length um, for our scripture reading, Luke eight twenty six through 39. One of my favorite passages of all scripture where a man who isn't possessed by just one demon but the demon's name is Legion, for we are many. Legion being a whole, a whole legion or part of an army of the Roman soldiers. There are perhaps thousands of demons possessing this man. We are many is what he says. And so in this passage, it says a couple of things. And we'll look particularly in verses 31 and 32 because there's some language here that just simply points to the fact that Jesus is in control of what demons are able to do. He is in control. And so then that's important for our question because the question is, if Jesus is in control, then why not? Why let demons live? Why not eliminate the enemy? 
So in verses 31 and 32, they were imploring him, the demons were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain, and the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. Now this is, you know, one of the reasons I like this passage, because it's so intriguing, because I don't know exactly what all is going on and why things happen the way they do. But clearly, number one, these demons, they understand that Jesus is the one who has control and authority over them. Because they're, they're begging him to not command them. See that in verse 31? Don't command us. Please, oh please, don't make us go into the abyss. Or into, as it was interesting, as it was read, it occurred to me something that was there that I, I don't remember thinking too much about before. The deep. It's, that is, the abyss is a reference to the deep. And where do they end up going? Down the hill into the deep. The waters. They're cast into the waters. And they die there. Um, so anyhow, that's, that brings up more questions for me. But So here is Jesus. The point is he is the one in control. He is in control. They ask, so they... There was a herd of, herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain and the demons imploring him to permit them to enter the swine. Please, don't, don't send us into the deep. Let us go into the swine. There's a herd of swine. And he gave them permission. He is in control. So if Jesus is in control, then why? Well, he is in control. Okay, and so now here he is at this point. There are demons there, and he is controlling them what they will do. And uh, they didn't want to go into the deep, but he allows them to go into the swine. And then the swine, so what made the, this is the question that, that is just crazy to me. What made the swine go into the deep then? Did Jesus make them? All right, I'll let you go into the swine. But ha ha, you're going to go into the deep. Or did the did the demons themselves say, ha ha, you sent us into the swine, so now we're going to go into the deep and cause you all kinds of problems with the people, so you can't preach to them. They're going to reject you. Interesting stuff going on there. And I don't I don't know. If you know, tell me. I want to I want to learn. It's interesting. But the point is that we see Jesus is in control of the demons. He is. All right, and now we move on to the next point. Number five, Jesus gave his apostles authority over demons. Luke 10, 18 through 20. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Okay, so this is interesting language, but the, the, the main point is Jesus gave authority to his apostles, and perhaps even you, would say, you could broaden it and say to his disciples at this point. He gave authority to his disciples, those followers. And, it does, and here's a, a spot where it brings up more, well, 
From then to now, from that time to now, when the early church came to, to now, is there a difference? Well, that's, that's an interesting uh, discussion. But right now, just notice the point is that he gave them authority. He gave them this idea, you can cast them out. You, they're subject, the spirits are subject to you. He gave them power over those demons, those unclean spirits. The apostles had power over. So, so still, even, so even if you remove Jesus from the earth, his apostles are going to be there exerting power and authority over unclean spirits. That's good news, right? So Jesus is still in control of evil spirits. And then let's extend it on to us. Let's, let's get to us. And point number six says Jesus gives us the power to fight demons. So I don't have a, a scripture to say that we have authority over demons. They are subject to us. But I can go to Ephesians. And we can talk about this idea that demons are mentioned here in this passage in a, in a scripture that we clearly grab hold of and that we need to understand that Christ has given us power. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. As I read that, and in the context of us talking about demons and unclean spirits, does it take on a little bit different meaning for you than when you usually sit and read that verse or hear that verse? Verse number 12, to me, it comes, you know, this, this idea of, I, I hear demons in the midst of that. Perhaps even, you know, perhaps this would be a verse that would almost completely define demons at work in this world still. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual Forces of wickedness, spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. So our, our struggle is against heavenly things. Our struggle is against heavenly forces. Our struggle is against heavenly beings. It doesn't say that word beings right there. But does it include that? Well, it's... Up to you decide. I think that that is clearly anything wicked, anything that is opposed to God, that is our, we are struggling against it. We are still in this day and age struggling against demons. We still, the fight continues against 
powers that exist in the heavenly realms. That's why we need to take up the full armor of God. So, again, my point, Jesus, and point number six, Jesus gives us the power to fight. And this is where maybe if you want to disagree with verse six, this may, maybe you just want to, I'm making a little bit of a jump. It's not explicit here, or is it? He gives us the power to fight demons. I remember when, uh, for me, you know, darkness, demons. When I was uh, probably in my late 20s, I used to run. (laughs) Seems so long ago to be able to say I used to run and run half marathons and used to train. And it seemed like my only time to run up in Indiana was late at night. And I remember on a couple occasions, 11, 12 o'clock at night, I'm home and I'm getting ready to go out and do my running. And you talk about, um, you know, you get a little ways out away from the city and um, no moon out. And you're running on a, on a dirt road, a gravel road between two, uh, two fields that both have six to eight feet of corn, you know, up, you know, going up there. I would run down there and then I'd turn that corner back on, um, on the Maple Road and then there was a woods right there. So even greater darkness was, I would, I, it was, it was like I could just feel evil around me. It was just that, you know, it was just a sense that it's so present and so real. And it was more, you know, it was kind of an emotional thing and just we, we hate the darkness. But that's why God, that's why it's darkness. That's why there is darkness. God lets us know what, what darkness is and we can feel what, what darkness is like and what evil is like when we're in the total dark. That is a scary thing. And man, it's... I never had, I always felt like the devil could just jump out in front of me at any point in time, you know. And it's just that, that was a good, healthy thing for me to realize and understand that the devil is real. That idea of a, a lion seeking whom he may devour, just prowling around, ready to, he's crouching at the door, ready to devour us. It is that real. Evil is real. Spiritual forces, wickedness, they are real. They are forces that are opposed to God. And we're in the midst of this struggle in this life. It is real. And so, and I, you know, it still doesn't quite, I'm really kind of feeding more into the question, so why doesn't God get rid of it, right? Why doesn't God do something? Well, and this is where we get to in this this point of the lesson. So we've established, number one, Jesus is in control of all things, and that God created angels, but some of them rebelled, and those fallen angels are the devil and his angels, which are also called unclean spirits or demons, and Jesus exhibited control over demons, and Jesus gave his apostles authority over demons, and Jesus gives us the power to fight demons. Well, now it comes a little bit more hopeful news. Uh, even even more so, that demons have only a short time. And so in Revelation chapter 12, uh, verses 8 through 12, it, here it, it, it's, you know, Revelation's always a difficult uh, book to establish real hard 
concrete doctrine from because you got to figure out what is it actually saying. But I think this is a fair passage for us to turn to. It says, And they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old who was called the devil, and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard from a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come, for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when, they, when faced with death. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. He has a short time. So it's only a short time that the devil and his army that they have. Demons only have a short time. So in none number eight... Jesus will cast the demons into eternal fire. And where I looked at this verse, Matthew 25, 41. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, God prepared a, a place of torment for the devil and his angels. They will be cast there. Guarantee it. He will see to it that they will, they will reap their reward. So, coming back to the question then. Why does Jesus not eliminate demons from the earth? If he doesn't kill them, why doesn't he eliminate them and get them out of our way? Eliminate their presence and their work from this world. And, and first of all, I'd say he will, God will, it will happen. That's what we've just seen, that there, those demons and the devil himself... They will be cast into that eternal fire that is reserved for them. But in the meantime, evil is present because of our sin. This is kind of a broad statement. Evil is here, right? Bad things happen on this earth, not because of God, but because of our sin. And the demons just seem to be a part of that evil. They're a part of the badness. They're a part of this broken world. Um, some of those passages from earlier just, you know, they were cast into the dark, the, the, the pit. You know, is this the, the kind of this world now is the, the pit? Are we living in the pit? Evil's here, this is the pit. I don't know, that's a strange question, but it just seems like this is the place where they've come. This is where they're allowed to roam. This is where they're allowed to do work because the devil does works. His demons do work. And I... Through this in here, and if you consider Job and how Satan was involved, perhaps they're the cause of every bad thing. I don't think God causes bad things, but he lets bad things happen. So in other words, God gives permission to the devil, to demons, to permit them to do some of the things that they want to do. And he limits probably very much in many ways what they can or cannot do. He puts limits on them. That's what we see Jesus doing so just some thoughts he is going to eliminate them but in the meantime he puts limitations on them 
And it's just because that's the way things are on this earth. We're the cause. And evil itself must exist here. For us to turn from, we must turn from evil so that we can turn to God. Our turning to God is is worthless if we don't have something to turn from. Our loving God is only meaningful if we have something else to deny. What point is it for us to love God if that he's the only one that there is to love? Jerry's the one who posed this part. He said, I have always thought of it this way. How could a man prove faithful to his wife if there were no other women on earth? You know, it's, it, it'd be real easy to be, stay faithful to your life if there was no other option. But when there are options, then we prove our faithfulness and our love and devotion by sticking with the one that we've chosen. There has to be a choice for love to, love, for love to exist. There has to be a choice to not love. Otherwise, it's not love. It's a great philosophical point. It's just thinking of what... What other option is there? And so demons being present here, it's just part of that choice. It's a part of the way it is. We can choose to be with the demons or we can choose God. And that's the point of this verse, well, in in the first John verse, which I probably should go ahead and jump to. But I'll mention Romans 8, 38 and 39. And it shows there that powerful demons do exist, but they can't keep us from God. It's kind of, okay, they exist, but so what? Because we have Jesus. We have the power of Christ. And the point of Jesus even coming to this earth was to destroy the devil's work. And so when we hear that, we need to understand if Jesus came to destroy the devil's work and the work of demons, therefore we got to be on his side. we got to stop sinning. 1 John 3, 7 and 8. Little children... Make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. You hear that? Of the devil. If you practice, if you're doing sinful things, that means you're on the devil's side. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. So, hey, you can be on Jesus' side, the Son of God. He came to destroy the devil's work. Destroy the devil's work. Make that your mission, to destroy the devil's work. Because if you're just going along with sin, if you're content with sin in your life, and we all struggle with it, but if you're content with it, and say, all right, this is how it's going to be, I'm, I'm all right with this. If you're content with it, you're on the devil's side. Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. We need to, if we're in the struggle, we're in the fight. It's the choice between good and evil. Are you going to choose God who is good or choose the devil who is evil? Whose side are you going to be on? The, the, the demons exist because good and evil exist. It's how God has made it. So... You know, I, I think uh, the challenge, we didn't put a challenge for believers, but it's clear. Whose side are you going to be on? And today you're evaluating, whose side am I on? The, 
Someday the demons are going to be gone, but right now our struggle is against them. So struggle and fight. Live for Christ in your life. And if you're not a Christian, then just as, I want you to remember that just as the demons have a short time, so do we. It's a short time. This earth doesn't last forever. Your life will not last forever. Don't be cast into the lake of fire reserved for the demons. It is not for you. It's not for any of us. God didn't make hell as, as a bad place. In my mind, you know, I, it's, God made hell. He's got this place reserved and it's good because evil is going to go there and it is going to be punished and judged. It's going to be, it's, things are going to be made right for all eternity. But it's not, it's not supposed to be us going there. It's the devil. And his demons, his angels. So choose good over evil. Choose Jesus and live for him. Confess the name of Christ that you believe in him and that you need him. Give your life to him in baptism. It's that dying and raising up to a new life and you're on team Jesus. That's it. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Give your life to him. Live for him. So I implore you today, if there's anybody who needs to give your life to Christ, do it because we are in this battle. Don't deny it. Don't run away from it because you're already in it. You can't run from it. And it stinks. That's how it is. It's the demons are here. Wish we could just poof and they're gone, but they're here. So... The only option you have is to choose to go with the demons or choose to go with Jesus. Choose right. If anybody needs to respond, won't you please come as we stand and sing.